Hey, City Church, I'm so glad you joined us today for this online service. And uh, today we're going to be continuing our series that I believe can help you become who God sees in you. You see, becoming who God sees in you is all about gaining the vision to see yourself the way God sees you. It's all about rising up and becoming fully who God sees in you so you can do what he has created you to do and live your purpose in life. But to do that, we must all face the inner issues that can keep us from becoming fully who God sees in us because it will impact the way we feel about ourselves and the way we pursue purpose in life. Now, if you remember in uh, this study, we're seeking to learn how to become who God sees in us by uh, uh, unpacking and following the journey of one of Jesus' core disciples named Simon and how Jesus prepared him to become who God could see in him. And if you remember, we noted that when Jesus uh, first met Simon and was beginning to call him to follow Jesus, he gave Simon a nickname. He gave Simon the nickname Peter, which translated means rock. Peter means rock. And, and we said that Jesus gave Simon that nickname because he could see something in Simon. He could see a rock in Simon. He could see Simon's strength, his endurance, his perseverance, and his courage. But for Simon to become the rock that God could see in him, he had to face the inner issues that could keep him from becoming that rock. And if you remember, we also noted that even though Jesus gave Simon that nickname, for the three years that they traveled in ministry, Jesus didn't call him Peter. He continued to call him Simon. And I suggested that the reason is because Simon had not become the rock yet. He had to face those inner issues. And so throughout this series, we're looking at some of those key inner issues that Jesus led Simon to face. Now, last week, we looked at how Jesus led Simon to face his fears by developing courageous faith. This week, uh, and by the way, if you didn't get to see that uh, message, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It's that important. We have it available online, uh, on YouTube, and our, on our Facebook page. But this week, we're going to look at how Jesus leads Simon to face his unhealed wounds. And so let me explain what I mean by unhealed wounds. Unhealed wounds come into our lives when other people hurt us with words, with actions, or with neglect. When other people wrong us, when other people sin against us, it creates wounds in us. Sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're mental, sometimes they can even be physical. And sometimes those wounds, let's just be honest, are even relational. And once the wounds are present, you have to do something to pursue healing from those uh, unhealed wounds. And that's what we're going to be looking at today because when someone wrongs us and people are going to wrong us, they are going to hurt us, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. It's how we respond to those hurts. It's how we respond to the people who wrong us that impacts us so greatly. Because how we respond when someone wrongs us or sins against us, it ends up impacting who we become and how we live our life. Now, as I said, last week, we looked at how Jesus uh, helped Simon and really through him, all of his followers to develop courageous faith. This week, we're going to look at how Jesus led Simon and how he wants to lead us to develop courageous forgiveness. 
because true forgiveness, especially when someone has hurt you deeply, true forgiveness takes courage. And it's not easy, is it? You know, isn't it easier to hold on to a grudge than to offer forgiveness uh, to someone who has hurt us? You know, a statistic suggests that many of us do not forgive others well, and instead we choose to hold on to grudges. In fact, I came across a survey done by the University of Michigan where they surveyed over 1,400 adults on the issue of forgiveness, and this is what their research discovered. 75% of people are sure that God has forgiven them for some wrongs that they have done. But only 52% of people have forgiven others for the wrongs they've committed against them. That means almost half of all people are holding on to grudges. And it makes a big impact in our lives. In fact, this same survey found that the 52% who actually forgave others had steadier heart rates, so their, their heart was healthier. They had lower blood pressure. They also had better mental and emotional health. And so it's very clear that forgiveness matters. And when we hold on to grudges, that matters too. It impacts us emotionally, mentally, and even physically. And when we refuse to forgive others, uh, and this is what we're going to see today, it does something dark within us. And many times when we choose to hold on to unforgiveness, when we choose to hold on to a grudge, it manifests itself within us through bitterness and resentment through anger, and through even depression. That's why it's so important for us to face our unhealed wounds and to develop a courageous kind of forgiveness. And so let's look at what Jesus said about developing this kind of courageous forgiveness. Now, for forgiveness was such a critical aspect of Jesus' teaching that it, it basically uh, became a very critical part of the model prayer that he taught all of his followers to pray. This is a prayer that some of you may know as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some of you may know it as the Our Father. But it's a model prayer that I believe Jesus expected his followers to memorize so he could guide them through the various issues in life that they ought to pray about. And right in, a, in the middle of that prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer. This is Matthew 6, 12. Father, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, in this one sentence, in this one part of the prayer, it reveals so much uh, about forgiveness. First, and I think it's important to notice, Jesus assumes all of us will need to ask for forgiveness regularly. And I think that's significant because it tells us that Jesus did not call perfect people to follow him. He called imperfect people like me, and like you. And so it tells us we, we, all, we all need to regularly go before the Father and ask him to forgive our debts, to forgive our sins, to forgive the ways that we have wronged others. And I think that helps us because when I think about the grace that I have needed in my own life, when I think about the ways that I have hurt other people through words and actions and sometimes even neglect, and I, when I realize how much grace I have needed from God, it helps me to feel the kind of grace that I ought to give to others who may wrong me. 
And so the first observation is that Jesus assumes we're all going to need to ask for forgiveness. But the second observation from this part of the prayer is Jesus assumes that we're also going to wrong other people. We're going to do wrong things, we're going to sin, and then other people are going to do wrong things against us. They're going to sin against us. And so we're not only going to need to ask for forgiveness from Father, from our Father, we're going to need to offer forgiveness to those who wrong us. But please understand that offering forgiveness, it does not mean what the other person did to you is okay. In fact, forgiveness really means acknowledging how big the wrong was and how much it hurt you because you can only truly forgive uh, the wrong or the sin when you truly admit how bad it was to you, how much it hurt you. And so that's a critical part of forgiveness. And then I want us to notice that uh, Jesus uses a metaphor to talk about forgiveness. He uses a, a, a financial metaphor called, you know, a debt. And uh, here Jesus pictures sins as like debts. So it, it's like when somebody sins against you, it's like they owe you something. They owe you a sin debt. And so if you can picture sins as a debt, it becomes an important metaphor that Jesus uses throughout his teachings about forgiveness. And so forgiveness means, and so follow the picture, forgiveness means giving up your right to have your, that sin debt paid back to you. Forgiveness means letting go of your right to hurt the person who hurt you. Forgiveness means forgiving someone's sin debt no matter how big. Now, you might be thinking, well, Brent, I don't know about this. I think Jesus is right. When someone sins against me, it does feel like a debt. It feels like when someone hurts me, they owe me something. They ought to pay me back. Why would I forgive someone's sin debt? Especially if they haven't asked me to. Well, Jesus answers that question right at the end of the Lord's Prayer uh, or the Our Father Prayer. He tells us why forgiveness is so important. So this is Matthew 6, verse 14, where Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, so what does Jesus mean here? Well, let's make sure we understand what he does not mean. He does not mean if you have not forgiven somebody who has wronged you, that you lose your salvation, right? Because what Jesus teaches throughout his earthly ministry is the way we are made right with God, the way we are saved, the way we determine that we become a child of God and we have eternal life is by believing in him, by believing in Jesus alone. But what Jesus is showing us here is that at the point when we refuse to forgive someone who has wronged us, God refuses to forgive us, which means we remain under the burden of our own guilt. And so let me unpack that just a little bit. Guilt is one of the most intense uh, inner feelings that we can experience. Guilt is the mental and emotional burden we feel when when we do something wrong, when we sin. And guilt is that inner burden. It's that, that feeling, that, that pressure you feel 
when you've gone against your own conscience, when you've done something you believe is wrong, you know is wrong, when you've gone against your own conscience and what you believe is right and good and true, and it does something to you mentally and emotionally. And when we, when we come to God and ask for forgiveness, a part of uh, God forgiving us is releasing us from the burden of guilt. But what Jesus teaches here is that when we choose not to forgive others, God doesn't release us from the burden of our guilt. And I think it's, it's so important here that Jesus is teaching us uh, this important principle. You can either hold on to grace or you can hold on to a grudge, but you can't hold on to both. I want to say that again. You can either hold on to grace or you can hold on to a grudge, but you can't hold on to both. You see, when you choose to hold on to a grudge, it gives birth within you some unpleasant and some, uh, I think, destructive and harmful inner issues. Inner issues like bitterness and resentment. Bitter, inner issues like anger. Inner issues like depression. And whenever you hold on to a grudge, uh, it is harmful to you becoming who God sees in you. And... And what I've noticed is why people hold on to grudges. Why do people want to hold on to a grudge? And this is what I think happens. People think, okay, this person has hurt me. They owe me a sin debt. And I'm going to hold on to unforgiveness. I'm going to hold on to this grudge. And I'm going to use it as a weapon to hurt the person who hurt me. And so what we think is by holding on to a grudge, we're going to hurt the person who hurt us. But I found that's not normally what happens. When you hold on to a grudge, you end up hurting the wrong people. And so several years ago, in uh, my house, I have a, a, a small back deck made out of wood with about four steps that lead down to a, a second uh, patio area. And a hornet's, uh, a, you know, I don't know, a group of hornets made a nest under there and they kept flying around. And if you've ever been stung by a hornet, it hurts really bad. And so I called a good friend of mine, uh, my exterminator, Hector, to come over and get rid of the hornet's nest. And so Hector put on one of those beekeepers outfits, you know, the, the whole overall thing with the boots and, and the, the helmet with the, 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 the netting in the front. And so he was all ready to get rid of the hornet's nest. He took my, my stairs apart and then he found where the hornet's nest was and he grabbed it and pulled it off. And when he grabbed it, man, the, the hornets started swarming all around and then he took some spray and started spraying them. When he, when he started spraying the hornets, they started flying everywhere and coming and attacking him. Well, a few of them got underneath his hood and started stinging him inside uh, the, the beekeeper's outfit. And so he threw the nest down. And he was jumping up and down and jumping up and down. Man, it was awesome. Uh, he really earned his $100 that day. That's all I'm going to say. Love you, Hector. Love you, Hector. Now, let me tell you why I told you that story. Because holding on to a grudge... Is like holding on to that hornet's nest. You hold on to that hornet's nest because you want to hurt the person who hurt you. But what happens when you hold on to a hornet's nest? Who gets hurt? You do. And all the people closest to you who didn't do anything wrong. And so Jesus is teaching us a powerful principle. Not to hold on to grudges. Not to hold on to those hornet's nests. Because when we do that, it harms us because of the inner issues that begin to surface within us. And it harms the people around us. I mean, here's what happens. People get stung. 
They get stung by our bitterness. They get stung by our resentment. They get stung by our anger. They get stung by our depression. And it doesn't do anybody any good. But what, what if someone has sinned against you a lot? What if someone owes you a big sin debt? Well, Jesus answers this question now probably about two and a half years later. And this is where it gets very personal with Simon Peter. Because Jesus wants to make sure that this rock that he's going to entrust his church movement to. He wants to make sure that Peter, Simon Peter, gets this principle. Why it's so important to forgive. Even if the sin debt is big. And so this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Simon Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, in this incident, I just, I just want to say I love Simon Peter because he asks the questions that about, uh, to Jesus that we all wish somebody would ask. Well, he actually has the guts to ask hard questions of Jesus. I think that's where you see the rock in Simon Peter, where he's willing to ask hard questions. And so uh, let me explain what's going on here. Why, why does he uh, talk about forgiving someone seven times and all of that? You see, in the first century, the Jewish rabbis taught people that you, for, you were to forgive people who sinned against you up to three times. If someone sinned against you the fourth time, you did not have to forgive them. That was okay. And so when Peter suggested uh, uh, forgiving someone seven times, he's thinking that this is really a huge expression of grace because he's offering to forgive someone twice as much as what the Jewish rabbis offered. But then Jesus' response, it just... It is almost overwhelming. Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, which was a figurative way of saying, I want you to forgive without limits. Now, before I unpack that for a second, I just want to make a little aside here if I can. And I want to say something because sometimes I think this teaching can be misunderstood. Limitless forgiveness does not mean that you stay in a situation where you're being abused or hurt over and over and over. If someone is hurting you over and over or abusing you, and you can get out of the situation, get out of it. Tell someone about it. Tell someone about what's going on and change the situation or get out of it. That's not what Jesus is addressing here. So why does Jesus ask us to forgive without limits? I mean, <laughs> doesn't that seem unjust? Doesn't that seem like even unrealistic? I believe Jesus was trying to help us understand a powerful reality of what happens when we refuse to forgive. Even if the person has amassed a huge sin debt uh, you know, against you by wronging you. I'm talking about like the ex-spouse who cheated on you and ruined your family. I'm talking about the parent who walked out on your family. I'm talking about the person who abused you. Why would we forgive them of their huge sin debt? And so after uh, Jesus tells Simon that your forgiveness needs to be limitless, he tells a story about why. He tells a story that depicts what happens when we hold on to unforgiveness, when we hold on to a grudge, when we hold on to that hornet's nest. 
And so let me give just a little bit of background to this story. In Jesus' day and really throughout human history uh, and up until recently, uh, they had in, in societies what they called debtor's prisons. And debtor's prisons is where you could send someone who if they owed you a financial debt, so you've given them a loan, if they couldn't pay it back, you could send them to debtor's prison until somebody paid off the debt. Okay, so you got the context? So Jesus tells a story where people understood that context. And he tells a story of a king who decided one day to call in all of his debts. And so all of his different servants who, uh, who had gotten loans, he called them to come and pay back their debts. Well, a certain servant owed him a large amount of money, maybe even a million dollars worth of money. And so he really could not realistically pay it back. And so the king ordered to have this servant and his uh, property and all of his family sold off to pay off the debt. Well, that servant knelt before the king and begged him to give him more time to pay off his debt. And that king looked at his servant and he felt mercy toward him and grace toward him. And instead of giving him more time, the king forgave the entire debt, this huge debt. That's an amazing amount of grace and forgiveness. But then that servant, the forgiven one, went out to another servant, a fellow servant, who owed him a small amount, maybe just a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the shirt and he said, I want you to pay off this debt. And that fellow servant said, I don't have it. I need more time. And the forgiven servant took that fellow servant and had him thrown into debtor's prison until he paid back the debt. Well, guess what? The king found out what happened. And notice his response. This is Matthew 18, 32. And this is Jesus telling the story. Then that king called in the servant and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you show grace toward your fellow servant like I showed grace toward you? And in anger, the king delivered him to the jailers to be tormented until he paid off all his debt. So once again, what, what is Jesus saying here through this story? And again, I want to make sure we understand what he's not saying. This prison that he's describing that, that he's telling the story about, this is not like hell. This is not about salvation. This is not about how you get right with God, Okay. In fact, Jesus is telling this story to believers like Simon Peter and like many of us. So what is the point of Jesus' story? Well, first, God's forgiveness toward us is immeasurable. Because of our faith in God and what he has done for us and our trust in his grace, God forgives us all of our sins, no matter how many we have committed and even no matter how big they might be. You see, God is the forgiving king who forgives great sin debts. The second truth we learn from this story is that God expects us to forgive like he forgives us. You see, he expects us because he's forgiven us such a huge sin debt. He expects us to forgive others with limitless forgiveness. And that's going to take a lot of courage. That's why he's seeking to develop within us courageous forgiveness. But the third truth I want us to see from this story is what happens when we choose not to forgive. When we choose not to forgive, we create our own prison. And we place ourselves in that prison. And some of you today, you're in a prison. 
And it's a prison you've created because you're holding on to unforgiveness. You're holding on to a grudge. And some of you are in a prison of anger. Some of you are in a prison of resentment and bitterness. Some of you are in a prison of depression. And it's weighing you down. It's harming you. It's harming your mental health. It's harming your relationships. But here's the other reality about this. The story doesn't end there. Jesus ends the story by telling us how to get out of the prison. This is Matthew 18, 35. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Okay, so in the story, Jesus tells us that when we choose to hold on to unforgiveness or grudges against someone who has wronged us or sinned against us, we end up placing ourselves in a prison, a prison we create. But Jesus also tells us here in verse 35, we hold the key to that prison. And the key is forgiveness. Jesus says, if you will forgive the person who has wronged you, that brother or sister from your heart, you are released from the prison. Courageous forgiveness heals your wounds. Courageous forgiveness sets you free from the prisons of bitterness and resentment and anger and depression. And what Jesus is teaching us here, and this is perhaps the most profound truth, and I want you to, to, to grasp this today. Forgiveness is not for the person who wronged you. Forgiveness is for you because forgiveness heals you. Forgiveness, forgiveness frees you from the prisons that you create. Now, a few years ago, um, when we, when we were able to have services live in the auditorium, uh, I did a teaching on healing one Sunday. And on that Sunday, I decided I would go out into the audience and with our prayer team and pastors, I would pray over people. And so I had a, a couple come up, a husband and wife, and ask for prayer. And the wife uh, came up and told me that she wanted prayer because she kept having suicidal thoughts she told me that she had tried to take her life that week by overdosing on pills. And she, it was very interesting. She looked at me in the eyes and said, and I'm planning to try to end my life tonight. And so I want you to pray for me. And so I asked her some questions. I said, how long have you been having these suicidal thoughts? How long have you been wanting to take your life? She, she told me a little bit of her spiritual journey. She told me that uh, she had believed in Jesus as a child. She felt like she was a child of God. She felt like her sins were forgiven. She felt like she, she would have eternal life. Uh, and, but she told me also that she just felt like everybody would be better if she wasn't here. And so she wanted to end her life. And so I asked her, well, how long have you been feeling like that? And she told me for about four years. And I said, well, what happened four years ago? She said, that's when my son went off to college. And so I unpacked a little bit more of her relationship with her son. And I said, so tell me more about, you know, your son. And she said, well, I got pregnant when I was a teenager and I, the boy's father wanted to marry me. My husband now is not the boy's father, but the boy's father wanted to marry me. And then her face got more anxious looking. And she said, but my mom wouldn't let us. She forbade it. And so I asked her, I said, well, uh, have you forgiven your mom for keeping you from marrying this, this young man that wanted to marry you? She said, no. 
and our, our relationship is not very good. And I said, you know, I don't know if these things are related, but why don't we at least start there? Why don't, why don't we today pray and let's, let, let, me, let me lead you to pray a prayer to forgive your mother. And I wish you could have seen her faith, face. She got anxious looking and fearful. And she said, you mean forgive my mother today? She said, I can't. I won't. And she just started getting really emotional. And she began to sob and weep these deep groaning sobs uncontrollably. Controllably. And so I, I said, I, I think we need to, to work. Let, let's do this. Let, let me lead you in a prayer to forgive your mother. And I, we were standing right over uh, to this side. And I knelt down with her. I had her husband kneel down with me. I had a prayer team member praying over us. And I, I began to lead her to pray a prayer of forgiveness for her mom. And what was interesting is she wasn't repeating it right. Like I, I, would, I would have her to say, mom, I forgive you for what you did. And she would say, mom, I hope somebody can forgive you. I, I want to be able to maybe forgive you. But she wouldn't say, I forgive you. And so I said, no, that, that's not what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, mom, I forgive you for what you did. And then it it's like she just unleashed all of the emotions she'd been holding on to for so long. 21 years, I found out. And she began to just weep and say, Mom, I forgive you. I forgive you. You hurt me so deeply. You hurt me so much. But I forgive you. I choose to forgive you and to let it go. And then I, I led her to pray a blessing over her mom. And she was just very emotional and weeping. And so I spent a few more moments just, just making sure she was okay. And then I had her look at me and I said, how are you feeling? She says, I feel better. And I asked her, do you feel like you want to take your life today? Do you still feel like that? She said, no, no, I don't feel that way. And of course, you know, I had other people waiting to pray. And so I just, you know, I encouraged them. And, and I, I told her husband, I said, just really watch her and, you know, pray with her tonight. And, you know, and I had to let him go. And I started praying for other people. Well, it just so happens that about two weeks later, uh, they ended up coming over to my house. I used to throw these parties for people who uh, support our church financially just to meet them, get to hear their story. And the couple came. And I got a chance just to catch them privately. And I asked the woman, I said, how are you doing? How has it been since we prayed? And I wish you, just, I wish you could have seen her face. It was just so peaceful. And she had a big smile. She said, you know, I, my mind has just been at peace ever since that day. I, I've not thought about trying to harm myself anymore. And I feel good about my relationship with my mom. We're actually trying to patch things up. You see, she was in a prison, a prison she created, and she had the key. Forgiveness sets you free. And there are some of you today, maybe some of the inner issues you're feeling could be related to unforgiveness. I'm not saying all issues are, but it could be. And if there's somebody you need to forgive, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness right now, today. And so I'm going to lead you in two prayers. First, if you've held on to unforgiveness or held on to a grudge, I'm going to lead you to ask God to forgive you of that. And then secondly, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to forgive the person who has wronged you. All right, are you ready? Just repeat after me. Father God, I believe in you. I believe you love me. And I believe you want to forgive me. And so I do ask you to forgive me for holding on to a grudge against and then name the person.
Forgive me of holding on to resentment and anger toward that person. I release this person to you. And now, God, I choose to forgive this person for what they did to me. So, Father, I forgive, name the person, and name what the person did to you. I forgive Mary for lying about me. I forgive John for hurting me with his words. Be specific with the name and what the person did. Don't call it the nice thing. Not they didn't treat me well, but if, they, if they've abused, abused you uh, verbally or physically, say what it is and say, Father God, I forgive this person. I let go of my right to hurt the person who hurt me. I let go of my right to get my sin debt paid back. I forgive this sin debt. And now, God, I ask you to do what you promised. You promised that if we would forgive from our hearts, that you would release us from whatever prisons we've been living in. And so I ask you to do that for every person who has forgiven today. Release them from the burden of their own guilt. Release them from the burden of maybe holding on to unforgiveness. And release them from the pain that is related to the wrong that was done against them. I ask that you would bring peace into them. I ask that you would renew their joy, renew their love for you and for life and for those in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.